Hugh said to me, would you, would you read some scripture before I come? So uh, here we go. Uh, we're on this series uh, on wisdom, and we're looking at God guiding us, and how many would appreciate a bit of wisdom for God's guidance in our lives? And so Proverbs 16, verse 3 and 4 says, Commit to the Lord whatever you do, and he will establish your plans. He will establish your plans. The Lord works out everything to its proper end, even the wicked for a day of disaster. Verse 9 In his heart, a man plans his course, but the Lord determines his steps. Verse 33, the lot is cast into the lap, but every decision decision is from the Lord. Proverbs 21.5 says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit, as surely as haste leads to poverty. Thank you very much. And good morning, everybody. Um, If you uh, are looking at the subject of wisdom, the main place you tend to go to is the book of Proverbs, and they're all readings from there. And the particular aspect of the subject of wisdom that we're looking at this morning is about how God guides us. And uh, so I want to ask that question, how does God guide us? And then towards the end of what I've got to share, how can we be sure that we are patching in ourselves to God's guidance in our lives. So how does God guide us? He guides us, broadly speaking, in two ways. Big word coming up, all right? Paradoxically. Let's do, let's do a David. Paradoxically. Thank you. Uh, and, and non-obviously. Paradoxically and non-obviously. What on earth does that mean? It's a big word. Um, If uh, you want to smash down a building, um, somebody will come along and say, right, we're going to raise the building to the ground. It's, It's a paradox. It's a contradiction in terms because you're not raising it to the ground, you're lowering it to the ground. So how can it be? Well, you read some Proverbs And it seems to say one thing about something. But then you go somewhere else and you read another proverb and it seems to say the opposite. Well, how can these things be? Well, like, for example, let me illustrate. Proverbs 16 and verse 33. It says there, the lot is cast into the lap, as David read. But it's every decision is from the Lord. So you can throw the lot however you like. But at that time in Israel... When the priest did that, God said, I will, it will come out the way I want it to be. And Issachar will have that, and Benjamin will have that piece of land. But that's all about God. All about God. But then we read Proverbs 21 and verse 5, and it says this. It says, the plans of the diligent lead to profit as surely as haste leads to poverty. Well, there's not a mention of God in that passage there. That's all about people. If you're diligent and sensible, then you'll get on well. Well, hang on. Well, which is true. One seems to be saying it's all about God and another saying it's all about people. The answer is both are true. How can they be true? Because God is so big, we can't figure it out. But both are necessary. You and I need to try our best But at the same time, God is there working out his perfect plan for our life. So on the one hand, it's the Lord who determines our direction. On the other hand, we've got to make sensible plans. 
on the one hand, God does things, I believe, like he says where, we get, where he would like us to live, even who he'd like us to marry, what job, what ministry, what work. On the other hand, we've got to use our brains. And it's not all of one or all of the other. It's both. Let me illustrate. Probably most people in this room, would you say you're a Christian? Maybe most people in a church, would you say? So let me ask you this question then. Did, did you become a Christian because you chose to be a Christian? Or, or did you become a Christian because God chose you to be a Christian? Well, well, let's read what Paul says. In Ephesians 1 and verse 4, um, it says this. He chose us, God chose us in Christ before the creation of the world in love. He predestined us to be adopted as his sons. He put a mark on us, predestined. Marked us out from others, chose us. But then, but then we read about the Apostle Paul and a jailer who falls at the feet of the Apostle Paul, and he says to Paul, what must I do to be saved? And the Apostle Paul looks him in the eyes and says, listen, you've got to do this. You've got to do this. You've got to do this. Believe on the Lord Jesus Christ, and you shall be saved. It's both. It's not one or the other. It's both. And they both work together. If you believe exclusively one to the exclusion of the other, you're in error. So if you think it's just all God and I don't have to do anything, I just sit back and be on holiday all my life, put my feet up, don't need to bother. Just works out anyway. Wrong. Neither is it true. You've got to, it's all about you. <laughs> if you believe it's all God, you're in the era of fatalism. And there was a guy called, in Greek mythology called Oedipus. And uh, Oedipus heard through an oracle that there was an inescapable destiny over his life. And that inescapable destiny was this, was that he would end up killing his father and ugh, marry his mother. <laughs> and uh, the story goes, Oedipus tr tried everything to prevent that destiny happening to him. Everything. But in the end, it worked out. Unwittingly, he ended up killing his father and marrying his mother. And that is what's called fatalism. So if you believe that, you'd believe, you know, God, if I'm, without being disrespectful to the Almighty, but a little thing, if the Lord sneezed in heaven, you know, we'd give a little shudder. We're like puppets on a string. That's not what the Bible teaches. And I just want to say here this morning for anybody who's here, there may be people here this morning and you're saying there's an inescapable destiny over my life. There's an inescapable destiny that you've been told or that you've believed that's over your life. And it's not a good one. It's not like I'm going to win the, I don't do the lottery, but you know, I'm not going to win the lottery or I'm not going to inherit, you're going to inherit millions and, and become highly successful. It's not going to be that, this inescapable destiny that you may have believed. It's I'll never achieve something in my life. I'll always be poor. I'll never have any friends or I'll never get anyone to marry me. People tend not to dislike me. They'll always not like me very much because I'm not a very nice person. I'll never get a good job. I'll never be free. I want to tell you that God is not a God 
of fatalism. He doesn't declare over you and over me an inescapable destiny. So what are you believing that, that, that you feel you can't escape from? Because I want to tell you that God is not a fatalistic God. He's not a God that causes you to go down a track that you have no control over, no effect over. Of course, on the other hand, it's not all about us, <laughs> thankfully. It's not all about us either. Um, you know, through sheer hard work, good planning, a bit of common sense, we will succeed. I don't know if you remember the uh, films, I have to call them the American version movies, <laughs> uh, but Back to the Future. Uh, and uh, there's the crazy time-travelling Doc Brown and his understudy, Marty. Um, and uh, on the, the very last film in the series, and at the end, Doc Brown, he, um, he says to, to Marty, he said, Well, Marty, your future is whatever you make it. And that's good, isn't it, to be positive? Better than being negative, wake up in a miserable way every morning. Good to be positive. The only trouble is with being extremely positive is what happens when things go belly up. Has anybody in here, a rhetorical question? Don't put your hand up. Has anybody in here, I'll put, I'm allowed to put my hand up, I'm speaking. <laughs> Has anybody in here ever found things foul up in your life in any way? Or, or made any mistakes in your life? Or have any regrets? about things, routes and plans that you've taken in, have you? Okay, you, I'm not alone then. And things can go wrong, and, but isn't it great that it's not all about us? In Ecclesiastes, it says, two are better than one, because when one, when one falls, the other can hold them up. And the fact is that God is alongside us incredibly in this paradoxical situation God is leading and guiding even through the negative, dark and difficult times as well as the good times and he is the one who is sustaining you to fulfill his destiny and purpose for your life which is a good destiny. And so we, we read things like in Deuteronomy where it says underneath and round about are the everlasting arms. We read that lovely passage in Philippians where Paul says, He who began a good work in you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. And then that lovely passage in Romans 8, 28, In all things, God is working for the good of those who love him to those who are called according to his purpose. And so, if it was all about me, I'd be really nervous. I'd think, oh no, I'll probably messed that up. What if there's an economic downturn? What if, what if somebody gets sick and they can't fulfill their debt? You know, what if this, what if that, what if the other? The thing is, it's not all about you. It's not all about me. He holds us truly in his hands. And uh, so I've got every reason to do my best, to try and plan ahead, to use my common sense, try my hardest. But at the same time, I don't need to get stressed out of my head to be anxious about how my life will turn out because if things go wrong, God will pick me up and see that you and I 
finish well. Praise the Lord. First way that God guides us is paradoxically, back to front really. The second way is he guides us non-obviously, non-obviously. There's a misconception I'd love to share with you about uh, how God guides us. And this misconception is this, is if it works, it must be God's guidance. If it fails, it wasn't God's guidance. It was just me messing up. Or if it was painless and lovely, then it was God's guidance. But if it was painful, it can't have been God. Um, and just my, a little bit about my story. Um, I became a Christian and nothing changed, but everything changed. And I felt, I've just, I just can't do anything else, but I want to work for God. <laughs> I want my career to be that. And I was in the Air Force at the time. And I was able to uh, get out early um, in consultation with the uh, leaders in my church then and went uh, for, to Bible college for three years and uh, had a great time. And then Liz and I started going to Louth uh, every week with Stuart Bell, the leader of the ground level movement. And it came to be that it seemed right that we should go there and um, they wanted someone to do some Bible teaching and leadership and things like that. And so we moved there and started doing this work in, in Louth. But after about a year and a half, I, I was on my face. After a, about that time, I was completely disillusioned and fed up and ended up leaving that. And uh, it reminded me, well, actually, the one event, um, Rob Parsons, in one of his seminars, mentioned about three disappointments that we face in life whatever our theological perspective. And one, one of those is that you're going to be disappointed with yourself. And, and I felt so, so disappointed with myself. I've given up my career in the Air Force, a good career, you know, and all that. And given that up to serve God, and what a failure I felt. Um, and uh, embarrassed, deeply embarrassed. And the second disappointment uh, Rob Parsons says is that you'll be disappointed with yourself. But another thing that's common, you'll be disappointed with other people. And I did feel that perhaps people could have helped me more. But I didn't really blame them. I more blamed myself. But really, the third disappointment in your life, he said, was that you'll, at some point, you'll have cause to feel disappointed with God. And uh, I remember on the lonely uh, lanes and fields around Louth, I was just going out there, crying my eyes out, not literally actually, but, but just shouting out to God, why? God, I've given up this, and this is what you give me. And, and I was in a, a, a very negative state. And I thought, you know what, I'm going to look back on my life and think, I've fluffed it. I've messed my Christian life up for God. And, uh, and then I was at the pre-runner to uh, the one event, pre-runner to uh, Grapevine and uh, someone came up to me and put their hands on, on my shoulders and said, Hugh, I just believe God would say to you that he's going to warm the, f the coals of the fires of your heart again and revive you and that you won't look back on your life as though you've messed up. I said, oh great. Well then I was a bit like uh, Steve Coogan and Al uh, with Alan Partridge, series two. 
where uh, Alan Partridge said, I've bounced back. And God moved on my heart and uh, revived the zeal for God, if you like. And so we started thinking about world mission. Well, okay, that didn't work. Well, maybe God wants to do world mission then. This is our career. So, so we joined World Horizons and uh, spent three lovely years in Llanethli in South Wales, David's home, home territory, Wales. And, uh, uh, and then the rubber hit the road and it's time to be actual missionaries in Jordan for us. And uh, we uh, went out there in 1994. We both, Liz and I, learned intense... Uh, Arabic learning, good at speaking Arabic, reasonably anyway. And um, after about f- five, four, five years, we were thinking, what the heck are we doing here? <laughs> what on earth are we doing? It's like an empty tin can that we're kicking around. Okay, we did some good things, but not enough to have a career out there. Goodness, maybe we thought we were going to live and die, like Lawrence of Arabia, out in the desert. And... Uh, no, and we ended up, and, and I just felt, is this it? <laughs> I'll just come back and get an ordinary job. <laughs> and, uh, but here's the, the thing, here's the thing. I want to ask you this question. Do you think, and I'm honestly asking you this question, do you think, did God guide us to Louth? Did God guide us to Jordan? Don't know, do you? Don't know what to say to that idea. Do you know? I've, thank you, thank you. Yeah, yeah. Well, everybody else that we talked to, more or less, thought that too. And uh, why then? You know, why couldn't we just have the, you know, the cast of the lot, and God would say clearly, you know, and this, that, and the other. But um, I've come to the conclusion I can't escape the fact that God led us to both of those situations. And. Uh, it's a cliche sometimes, but you know it's true that it's true that what's true? God wants to do something in you more than he wants to do something through you. And uh, I've got a little illustration of this. He wants us to experience his will. It's not necessarily a word from the Lord. He does it in you and uh, on our one of our last days there uh, we went to this Arabic restaurant um, and uh, uh, as a goodbye last meal in Jordan and uh, uh, there were all our four kids there quite young at the time Joe was the uh, uh, youngest at eight thereabouts and uh, there was a bowl of uh, looked like peppers on this table uh, and uh, I was saying to, uh, I, was, I was saying to, our, you know, Joe's, Joe can't be told. So he's got to try it out for himself and fail or, or succeed. He can't be told. Uh, and actually, I'm like that too, really. Um, and uh, I said, Joe, if you eat those, that pepper, it will burn your mouth out. And he said, what? I get lost. That would be ridiculous. Uh, so anyway, he gets the pepper, sticks it in his mouth, about two motions of his jaw. And he suddenly freezes. His whole face goes bright red. And he starts, and I think he fell off his chair, did you? Uh, He was writhing around on the floor in agony. And uh, we were desperately trying to get uh, water down his his throat. And uh, I think Liz and Alex were looking on disgusted 
that I would have let this happen, you know. And, um, and, uh, and, and the, the other two other lads were laughing their heads off, <laughs> as I was. <laughs> but, but the thing is, that God knows, sometimes it's not enough just to say something to you. You've got to try it out. You've got to experience it. And God causes us in life, even though it's painful sometimes, to experience some stuff. That if we knew it was coming, we would never choose that. And this reminds me of two other, two other things that good old Rob Parsons uh, said in his book I read on holiday about wisdom. Uh, two, two trials that everybody gets in life, as a, as a Christian especially. And when you get one of these trials, red alert. First trial, highly successful. Oh, brilliant businessman making loads of money. Everybody's looking to me for advice. Or doing a church, getting bigger and bigger and bigger, worldwide ministry. Everybody's looking at me thinking, brilliant. Red alert. That's the time you can detach yourself from trusting God. The other trial is, oh, everything's going terrible. <laughs> Red alert. Because at that time you can say, I can't expect that God, didn't expect that God would do that to me and allow that in my life. Red alert. And you can detach yourself from God. And, and, uh, but God allows trials, he allows setbacks. And you could be here today wondering why, 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 why did God allow that? Why did this happen? Why did that happen? I just want to tell you, listen, God's treating you like his children. In James it says, consider it pure joy whenever you face trials of many kinds because you know the testing of your faith develops perseverance and perseverance must finish its work so that you may be mature and complete, not lacking anything. I'm wiser now. I've learnt a lot. Hopefully won't do the silly things again. Same silly things again. <laughs> but he leads us non-obviously. If it works, if it's painless, it must be God. No. If it fails and it's painful, it's just as likely to be God. And we need to embrace and not cast off trials as if they're an enemy. But say, God, it's not going to last forever. Do what you're doing in me. And we want an answer. We want to know why. But it might not come straight away. But we trust God. But, you know, it's not all about you. God is there with you. And he's bringing you through those situations. And um, how then can we... I'm going to skip a couple of slides. How can we get God's guidance in our life? By the way... I'm owed a minute because when David was, uh, <laughs> I saw, I saw what you did there. Yeah. Uh, so <laughs> it took about a minute to read that scripture at the beginning. Anyway, so. <laughs> oh, right, get on with it. Right, okay. Uh, right, okay. I was, was going to talk about two other misconceptions, but forget that. Um, and um, so how can we get God's guidance? How can we be clear that it's God guiding us and not us just doing our own silly thing. So um, Proverbs 16 and verse 9, it says this, In his heart, a man or a woman plans their course, but the Lord determined their steps. Now you think what that means is that all I can do is, is I can, uh, oh lovely, um, I can make a, whatever plan I like, pray about it, just commit it to God, and then it's going to work. Doesn't mean that. 
That word commit means to roll over everything onto God. Mike shared last week about leaning into Jesus. It's this idea of, of transferring every care, every situation that you're facing, you roll it completely onto God and say, Lord, I unconditionally trust you for my life, for the outcome of my decisions, for the outcome of my life in every way. I unconditionally trust you. And to trust God unconditionally means, I think it's on the next slide, I will obey whatever you tell me, whether I understand it or not. I will accept anything you send me, whether I understand it or not. But I'm not going to bail out of this aircraft. I'm not going to say, thank you very much, God. But no, thank you. I'm going to stay the course with God. Whether I understand it, whether it's painful, whether it's, it's delightful, I'm going to stay the course with God because knowing that he who began a good work in me will, and you will carry it on to completion until the day of Jesus Christ. So we've got these two streams. There's you and your decision and there's God and his decisions and they work incredibly in synchronism and together amazingly. And as you learn and get into the habit of totally committing your life to the Lord in every aspect of your life and laying it at his feet every day fully on him, you slowly begin to become a person who more and more makes wise choices, wise plans. It's better put, that verse, commit to the Lord whatever you do and he will establish your plans. So may God help us. This incredible, paradoxical working, guiding God who leads us so often in non-obvious ways. But as we totally commit ourselves to him as best we can, as best we can, he will enable us to make wise choices in our lives. I wonder if the worship team could come back and I'm going to pray as they do that. So Heavenly Father, we give you thanks. We give you thanks, Lord, uh, for your sovereign hand over our lives. It's all about you, Lord, but it's also all about us. But thank you, God, when we fail, that you're still there, leading us forward, leading us to, through our destiny. And uh, so I I'm, I'm just want to ask for, if you feel today that there is an inevitable destiny over your life that you have believed and you're, you're almost committed to in yourself, God's not a God like that. And he wants to free you from what you believe is an inevitable destiny over your life. And I'd invite you to come out and come and have prayer if you feel that. And then people will pray for you and revoke that destiny. You don't have to say what it is. It might be, you might not want to. But come and they will revoke that destiny over your life and pray for you. Could be here today that you feel you failed and you're discouraged like I felt. And you say, what a waste. There's no 
There's no going back on that. There's no, and in a way, there isn't. But listen, it doesn't matter. It doesn't matter. There's a new day for you. Because God is on the, at the side of you, leading you through finishing this off, holding you up. When you've dropped, God is still there, sustaining you. Will you wholeheartedly commit every part of your being to our wonderful, loving, almighty God? Could be you're up with you, upset with yourself, disappointed disappointed with others how they've treated you or disappointed even with God this morning can I invite you to forgive to let it drop knowing that God has your life in his hands and he has a good plan for you and you say yes I want to wholeheartedly lean on the Lord commit my way to him then why not do that now